Welcome to the Empowered Homes Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to be a resource to connect church and home by growing strong families. On today's episode, we have special guest Ken Abraham with us. He uh, is a New York Times bestseller. He's written over 90 books. Uh, He's written books for Bob Dole, Buzz Aldrin, Chuck Norris. He's written uh, a ton of great books for great people. But today we're talking about a book that he wrote for himself. It's it's about him and, and his life. And it's called When Your Parent Becomes Your Child. And he uh, wrote this book to kind of chronicle the, the life of his mother and uh, her battle with Alzheimer's. And, uh, you know, Alzheimer's and, and uh, dementia is, is a big deal. And a lot of families are, are struggling with, you know, what do I do when my uh, parent becomes my child? Um, we also have Todd Pendergrass on the show with us. He, he struggled and, and went through and battled uh, dementia with his dad. And so uh, really great, hard, hard, hard stuff we're going to tackle uh, on this podcast. If you got questions or you want more resources, you can go to the empoweredhomes.org. Uh, Todd, why don't you share a little bit about Ken? Thank you, Bobby. Ken, welcome. Hey, thank you. Both of you guys, great to be with y'all. Ken Abraham, uh, I'm part of our podcast today. It's a great blessing to have you. Absolutely. And um, so so people know more about you. You know, I'm, I'm listening to a guy the other day, and he mentioned he immediately mentions a quote he had read in a, a book by Randy Travis. <laughs> and I said, oh, Ken Abraham wrote that book. <laughs> well, and, Randy uh, helped. Randy yeah, really helped. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, obviously, uh, you've had opportunities to work with a lot of people uh, in your lifetime and, and have uh, n- numerous New York Times best-selling books. How many do you have? You know, I don't even know. I think it's like 16, 17, 8, I don't know, somewhere in there. Yeah. I, I, I've written a bunch of books. I think it's uh, up to about 95 books wow. by now. Wow. I, I keep telling people one of these days I have to get a real job, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do a fantastic job of that. Yeah, you're kind. And, Thank and, you. and a lot of those books are, were number one books. Yeah. And uh, so so Ken is is a very well-known uh, author, and, and uh, so it's an honor to have him. What I want us to talk to you about today, uh, oftentimes you are – the voice of other people mm-hmm. and uh, and writing on their behalf and uh, many times their uh, biographies, autobiography, whatever, and um, and and stories of their life. Uh, but but there's a book I came across uh, of yours uh, a few years ago, uh, a book called uh, "When Your Parent Becomes Your Child," and that's when Ken Abraham is speaking from his voice mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and with his voice. Uh, tell us how that book came about and, and kind of the, the, the what it's about. Yeah, that was personal experience, that's for sure. Uh, and you're right, for years I've written books for other people. That's what I do. I'm a collaborator. Uh, you know, people used to call it ghostwriting. They asked me what's the difference, and it's basically the same kind of thing. But, so I've written books with Buzz Aldrin, astronaut who landed on the moon 50 years ago, um, Chuck Norris, everybody knows Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger, uh, political people, Bob Dole, other people, all kinds of folks. I've written books with um, <clears throat> pastors. Um, and and my job is usually to get their heart on paper and their voice. If the book, it's got to be their voice. If it sounds like me, right. I've made a mistake. But a few years back, we uh, we brought my mom and my mom had worked with me on books for years. She actually typed a lot of the books that I had written oh, wow. before computers and that, all that sort of thing. But we brought her to live with us in Nashville, Tennessee. And we, we were in church one day and a fellow came up to me and says, Ken, there's something something different about your mom. And so he says, she's kind of sluggy. She's she's not 
moving the same way she used to. I saw, oh, you know, she's getting older. She's kind of, you know, has all these little quirks and that sort of thing. He says, oh, he says no, he says, it's something different. And, uh, and we started seeing things in my mom that just were not like her. And, uh, <clears throat> she, uh, she started seeing things out the window, for example. Now, we, you've been to my home, our home, and uh, we live, uh, the, the upstairs is probably about 40 feet off the ground. You have to come up thirty set, a set of stairs, about 30 stairs to get into our front door. Right. That's the first level. And she is seeing guys in white outfits outside her window on the second floor, about 40 feet off the mm, ground. Oh and I'm working in my office, and she starts, she starts calling out, Ken, Ken, come quickly, come quickly. They're, they're outside my window again. And so I would race up the stairs. And, and, you know, there's, obviously, there's nobody there. But she was seeing somebody or something outside the window. And we started seeing, start having all kinds of crazy things happen like that. And she would be so worried about somebody was coming into our house and stealing things when we're not there. And one night she even called the police. Lisa, my wife, and I went out to a wedding, and we said, we'll be back in a couple of hours, Mom. And we didn't know that there was anything wrong with her at that mm-hmm. point. We're thinking, okay, she's just a little bit old. She's, you know, crazy stuff happens. And so we were perfectly comfortable with leaving her at the house all by herself. And uh, it was just a short wedding. We were back probably by 8 o'clock. We're driving into the neighborhood. And the first thing I noticed that was wrong was there's a police car sitting in my driveway. Mm. With the lights flashing. And uh, I, I got out and here, here are the officers there. And you're Mr. Abraham? Oh, yes, I'm, yeah. And they said, yeah, your mother called. I said, she did. Wow. <laughs> and she had gotten into the habit of calling the police where she lived in Orlando, Florida, before she came to uh, uh, Nashville to live with us. And she had called the police because the guys in white outfits were mm. outside the windows again. And uh, so the police were very kind. And, and they said, uh, and uh, we understand you're an author. I said, uh, yeah, how did you know that? They said, oh, your mother showed us all of your books. So she showed you all of my books? And she, yeah, she had them in the house, going through the house, searching the house and all that, and telling them stories about all the books I'd written and all that sort of thing. And they were very, very kind. But um, I said to her mom, after the police had left, I said, mom, don't you ever do that sort of thing again. I called the police. There was no reason to call the police. She said, well, I didn't call the police. I dialed 911. I said, that's calling the police. <laughs> but you know, it got to the place where you just... You know, one thing after another was happening, and we recognized there really was something different and wrong about what was going on with my mom. So Lisa, my wife, took her to the doctor. And she took her, and this is a very wise move, she took her not to a normal physician. She took her to a geriatric doctor. And he recognized right off that there were symptoms of dementia happening in my mom. She couldn't, you know, she couldn't remember where she was. She couldn't remember who the president of the United States was. I said, well, don't ask her about that. Ask her about the Bible. She, she's loved the Lord all of her life. She knows all about the scripture. Ask mm. her about that. But he's asking her basic questions, and she couldn't answer those questions. A few minutes after they had discussed those issues. And so, so the next time Lisa said, you need to go to the, the appointment. I was living in denial, Todd. Right. Bobby, I, I didn't, you know, wow. I didn't see anything wrong. My mom's mm-hmm. just getting old. That's all. And she said, no, you need to go to the, the next doctor's appointment. So I went and we're sitting just like we are here uh, with three of us and my mom and my wife and the doctor. And he looks at me and he said, Ken, this is not going to get any better. I mean, man, guys, I wanted to punch him. I mean, right, right there. I, I, so, first of all, who are you to say this is not going to get any better? Right. Uh, I had seen my mom literally get up off uh, her sick bed and go out. She was a musician. She could go out on the stage and perform, do a, an incredible uh, concert, and then come back in and literally go back into bed uh, to you know recover. So, and, and plus, I said, wait a minute, you know, we're Christians. 
you know, we believe that we could pray and God would heal her. So who are you to say that, that uh, she's not going to get any better? Hmm. But you know what? He was right. Right. And I was wrong. And we began to see more and more things in my mom's life. And he, he stayed with us. That geriatric doctor stayed with us all through what we lived with with my mom, the downhill slide that began to happen, where we began to see her hoarding things, things that she, would, she wouldn't even need, Bobby. She would hoard wow. oranges and bananas in a, in a refrigerator where she lived. And, and we'd come in, and there'd be all these you know, uh, rotten bananas in her, in her refrigerator. And say, yeah, yeah, what is going on here? And, uh, and she was always suspicious. She was suspicious that somebody was trying to steal her money. And yet at the same time, you know, she was a Christian person. So every time there was somebody come on TV that was asking for money, a ministry or something like that, she would write out a check and wow. send it off. We don't know where she sent half of those checks, but they went. And so we discovered we had to take control of her money. We had to take control of her car keys mm-hmm. because she, you know, she was in her eighties, but her eye hand coordination that, you know, you, you, you drive your car, you don't even think about how much eye hand coordination is going on as you're you're just driving down the road. Well, her brain had begun, um, the, the synapses weren't firing and those connections weren't, weren't happening as quickly. And so she was a danger not only to herself, but to other people. So it, it was a battle to get the car keys out of her hands, mm. but we had to do that for her own good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, we've, we've had this discussion before that my father had dementia or Alzheimer's or, or something, mm-hmm. something obviously that was making him not the person we knew. And and we also went through that time of denial, yeah. trying to find, is there medication for this? Is is maybe his the normal medicine is not 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 what it's supposed right. to be. Maybe something's changed and and you begin to kind of search for something other than that word of dementia or, or Alzheimer's or those words. Um what would what would be your advice to to families that are maybe dealing with those issues? Maybe they're walking through that cloudy time. Uh, what what would be your suggestion to them as they go through that? Well, watch for those signs first of all. When you see those kind of things happening, it's not just old age in most cases. A lot of times, uh, there are reasons for that, and there are synapses in the brain that aren't firing the way they used to. That sort of thing. So my my first point would be to get to a geriatric doctor, not just a, a general practitioner, but get to a geriatric doctor who deals with this kind of thing all the time. He sees or she sees those symptoms and recognizes things that I just took for granted that were part of my mom getting older. And yeah, it, it is hard to do that. But, and you don't want to admit that there is something wrong. And, there, and you mentioned medications. There are some medications that are helpful. Now, they won't, they won't cure Mm-hmm. Alzheimer's or dementia, there is no cure at but, this but point. But those type, they usually require early yeah. uh, detection, right? Mm-hmm. And there are some things that will mitigate some of the some of the symptoms too: uh, calming medications and those kind of things, sundown medications they call them. Things you take literally be, as the sun is going down help uh, somebody with uh, with Alzheimer's or dementia uh, to just cope a little bit better. There are medications like that, but truthfully, there's nothing that's going to cure once the, um, except the Lord, uh, once the symptoms begin to set in, you're on a downhill path. And that was hard for me to admit. I didn't mm-hmm. want to admit it. Yeah. The doctor gave me a book and, um, and you know, if you're ever suicidal, this is not the book to read, <laughs> but it was a book about Alzheimer's and dementia, all these horrible things that are going to happen. Yeah. You know, and I started to read that and I said, man, there is no hope here. Mm. And, uh, and that's kind of what inspired me to write the book when your parent becomes your child, because I said, wait a minute, this is a Christian woman. She has loved God all of her life. She served the Lord all of her life. She's ready to meet Jesus at any moment. Um, and, 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 and there's such, such a great 
repository of faith in her, there's much more than just these outward signs that we're seeing. So I wanted to, I started keeping track and, and it was weird. It was hard because now you know, you have that awkward role reversal mm-hmm. where the one who used to put diapers on me, now I'm putting diapers on her. Right. Whoa. I mean, yeah. talk about weird, talk about heartbreaking. Yes. And, and uh, and we had some experiences like that. We had some of the accidents that you're going to have and those sorts of things. But you know, you, this is the person that loved me. This is the person that brought me into the world. And uh, I just always felt it was a privilege for me to help take care of my mom, just like you taking wow. care of your dad. Yeah, you know, the one thing that, that was just so difficult for us is that it, it felt like that you were watching your parent die twice. Yes, yeah. It was like the per- person you always knew is, is is standing in front of you, but they're not responding they're the not same there. way. That's, that is a great point, Todd, because in, and that's where I think so many families have trouble because the way mom or dad always used to do things, they expect them to operate in the same way. My mom was very competent. She was independent. She had to be. My dad was not a Christian for a lot of years. She basically took care of a lot of the family issues and things like that. My dad did become a Christian later in life, uh, and, and that was wonderful. But for a long time, my mom was was a very independent woman. She took care of, uh, she'd go get the car fixed. She'd you know, take care of whatever had to be taken care of. Uh, suddenly, you know, she was not able to do those things. And we had to recognize that, you know, yeah, it is still the same person, but in many ways, the mom that we used to know is Isn't gone. There. And yeah. she's not coming back. That was the hardest part for me. Her needs are much different now. Yeah. Much different. Yeah, and for me, I've, I've lost both my parents, but to cancer, and mm-hmm. I've gone through the grief of that. And sure. you mentioned, you know, when you got the news with the doctor, and Todd, you can speak into this too. I just have a question. Um you wanted to punch him, right? <laughs> yeah. Was there ever a moment for either of y'all where you just felt that acceptance? If someone's listening, like they, maybe they're in that middle denial. Was there a moment or a time where you, I don't have found peace or acceptance of knowing, okay, this is the new normal. It, it took a while for me, Bobby. I don't know about you for Todd, Todd uh, but it took a while for me. And it was the, we were in about a three to five year pro- progress uh, process. I'm sorry. And, uh, and most people who get, Alzheimer's or dementia, that's about the, the length of time you're looking at. Some people will uh, survive as long as 15 years with Alzheimer's. That's pretty rare. You're usually talk, looking about three to five years. That's where we were. And in that period of time, I began to see these things that the doctor was saying, and they were almost prophetic. They were coming to pass before my eyes. I didn't want to admit it. One day I, I saw him and uh, he was in the post office. I just happened to see the doctor. He says, hey, I just came from visiting your mom. He said, I think we've got about six months. Whoa, Mm -hmm. six months. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just expected things to continue going on as they were. So there was that reality setting in on me. And I remember leaving, and eventually we had to put my mom into a nursing home because we couldn't care for her at home any longer. And and I remember leaving the nursing home at night and, 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 and we got into this practice and it was a silly thing to do, but we did it. That whenever I would leave, I would literally wheel her in her wheelchair up to the front door and she would sit by the, the front door and she would wave one of these kind of things with her fingers, you know, coming mm-hmm. together. And at first it was kind of neat that she could do that. And then every night I'd almost burst out in tears as wow. I get into my car because here's my mom, my little mom sitting there at the door with her fingers going, you know, say, waving goodbye, Ken. And I'm saying, yo, God, what is this about? Yeah. You know, and I came to realize it wasn't so much about her. She was ready to meet Jesus. There were things I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. I needed to learn that compassion. I needed to learn that understanding. I needed to, underst- uh, to, to have a, a, a fresh insight that her life still mattered, even though she couldn't do a lot of those things. And, and we would push her up to the piano. Uh, 
she couldn't tell you what day it was. She couldn't tell you where she was, what she had for breakfast, if she had breakfast. We'd put her up to the piano, and she'd start playing the old hymns of the church, you know, Victory in Jesus, mm-hmm. Blessed Assurance. Mm-hmm. And wow. she would play them by heart. She knew every. it was still in her. The music was still mm-hmm. in her. And they say that the music is the last to leave almost uh, in many people's uh, experience with Alzheimer's and dementia. The music is still there. And wow. we found that to be true. And the coolest part, we literally at the nursing home, we would push her up to the piano and she'd start playing Amazing Grace or some of these other songs and people would gather around. And here she is in her final days of her life. She's still having a ministry to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're singing these old hymns of the church. It was really, really cool. That's real cool. You know, I remember my father, my dad was a pastor. And uh, the church that he had served in the longest was having a, a like a hundred year anniversary, and they had asked him to come preach, and they had gotten him on the phone and asked him to come preach, and he said absolutely. Well, Dad was not capable at that time of preaching. Well, Mom was saying, "How do we deal with this? How can we tell him?" And I said, "Mom, I'll figure it out. Just let him stay the course." So he would. She said every night he would sit down. He would get out old notes, and he would read through wow. old notes of his sermons, preparing what, for what he was going to say. And so finally, when he led up to it, he knew something wasn't right, but uh, he also had that side of him that, oh, I can do this, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. And, and so uh, I said, Dad, why don't we do it together? And uh, I'll go with you. And he was okay with that. Great idea. And so we, I said, I'll ask you questions, and then you just share that portion of the sermon. Well, I got up and announced to the people, because he had served there many years before, and I told him I was going to do this, that he was not quite the same as when he was there. And they knew, and so they were ready to support him and and cheer him on. He struggled. He went through a a couple of points, and then he was done. But he got to a point that he wanted to offer an invitation. It was as clear Mm. as it could be. Yeah. He just yeah. goes straight. He, he used, I think, the Roman road or something. He just goes <laughs> boom, 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 straight through it, asked people to come forward to receive Christ. A lady came forward uh, during that time. And, and so th- those parts of their mind were Still so there. clear. Still there. But, you know, I remember in Dad's, Dad went very fast, about a year. Mm, and, uh, and I remember the six-month call, and I'm thinking, is that, this is not possible. Yeah, yeah it hits you. Yeah, and... Um, but I remember visiting him in the latter, in the latter, um, maybe maybe three months, and I walked in, and he lived in a different city, and I walked into him, and I kind of punched him. He was asleep, and Dad, wake up! And he looked at me. He said, "Todd, I'm dying." Mm. And I said, "I know, Dad, but we're going to sail out of here as best we can." Yep. Mm. And and that's what we did. We sang. I sang to him for I don't know how long that day, you know, and and he just laid there and. Um, and so it was, he had realized it and, and we had finally realized it and that we were going to do our best to make this as, as good as we could, you know, for he and, and for our family. I love the fact that you would sing together, though. And that's one of the things you have to deal with and, and to learn to do when you're dealing, whether it's cancer or anything else, or Alzheimer's and dementia especially, is to do those things that bring joy to your loved one. Uh, celebrate every month. We would celebrate birthdays in the nursing home. It was weird. We'd have balloons and cake, and my mom didn't even know what was going on. Right. But, you know, we would still celebrate. Mm-hmm. Singing those old old hymns, and, and, uh, and or maybe there are other songs that mom or dad 
remembers. And you want you just want to let them enjoy every part of their life that you can. The other thing you have to keep in mind, because you know, we're talking about the ideal situation here, there are some people that go through these through these things and they have radical changes. And my mom had some of those where you know she started using language that I hadn't heard since I got saved years ago. Right, you know? right. Dad <laughs> but she remembered some yeah. of those words and she knew them all. And she started telling some of those stories to our kids. You know, our, uh, we have three daughters and she started telling some of those stories about her younger years before she met Jesus and how she was shacked up with some guy in a car someplace. Mom, okay, we don't need any more of these stories for my daughters <laughs> yeah. right now. Yep. And you know, even even one of our, our, our kids said, said wow, that, that, that doesn't even sound like grandma. And it mm. wasn't. And that's important. And yeah. you really have to keep that in mind with somebody who's suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia, in many ways, that that person that you used to know is not there any longer in the same way. But the disease is speaking through that person many mm-hmm. times, and uh, sometimes they will say things that are mean, that are vicious, that they you know they don't understand. Right, and and many times they'll get argumentative. That's. Uh, very familiar with, with Alzheimer's and dementia patients. And and the best thing you can do is just change, change the, the subject. subject. Change yeah, wow. the subject. They That's won't good. remember five minutes from now anyhow. So why go down that road and argue and get everybody all mm-hmm. fired up and emotional? Just change the subject. That's right. Good. Agree and move on. Right. Exactly. I can remember, I can remember we're about to, about to wrap up, but I'll remember my dad thinking that I and my mom were his parents. And he was so excited that his parents were not gone. He kept. He said, "I kept telling them that 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 my parents have not died, and you're here. I'm so glad you're here." And mother begins to try to tell him, "No, I'm your wife." And I said, "Don't tell him. Yeah, yeah. just let it go." Wow. And at this moment, he has a sense of peace. Let's let him go with that sense of peace. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, um, you know, studies show that about 5.4 million Americans struggle or have have Alzheimer's or dementia and mm-hmm. and there's families listening to this that um, I hope are blessed by you guys and um, kind of get some some encouragement it's encouraged me um, Ken you know I, I like to ask you know if there's someone listening right now that uh, maybe in the middle of it or they kind of have an idea maybe mom or dad is struggling like you know, if they're listening, what is one thing that they can do today um, to to address this? Or uh, if they're in the middle of it, or if they aren't really sure. So that's two parts. So okay. To the person who's like right in the thick of of going through this and looking after their parent, and then that person who maybe thinks something's up. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one piece of advice you give to both parties? It really does apply to both. Number one, you have to take care of yourself because this is going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to tap every resource you have if you're dealing with somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia, and it's not going to go away. It's like it's like having a handicapped child, uh, a special needs child. You're going to be dealing with that for the next hmm. part of that person's life. So take care of yourself and it's physically, good. spiritually, emotionally. You know, you need to be able to do that. Second thing is you've got to take control of the of the the loved one that you're you're helping, and and we're we're not we're not inclined to do that because we say well it's their their life I don't want to be doing these things but you have to uh, yeah. power of attorney taking control of medications for example because my mom couldn't remember whether she had taken her medication or not or sometimes she'd take too much wow. and so you have to take control of those things financial issues you mm-hmm. you have to take control of those things all of those things go against us 
because we want, you know, we, we think we're usurping the authority that our parents rightfully have over us uh, as children. But now we're not dealing. They are the child now, and we are the parent in many situations. So you can't feel guilty about that. You have to say, okay, I'm doing this out of the best interest, my mom or my dad's best interest. I'm helping the person that I love, yeah. and I need to do this for them. That's so good. It's great. And, yeah, such a, and pray. The other thing yeah. too, don't forget the spiritual part. Some people get so caught up with the physical things and, and okay, we're moving to this nursing home and, and we're at this stage. Just as, as we've talked here today, the spiritual part is still there. God is still working in this person's heart, in this mm-hmm. person's life. Who knows what he might do? And there are good things. There are good things that God will do in and through this situation. And you will never be sorry for taking care of your mom, taking care of your dad, or whoever it is mm-hmm. during those last parts of their life. You will be blessed. The Bible says, so as we honor our, our, our parents, that we are going to be blessed. How much more so? as we take care of our parents, as they go through those those days of Alzheimer's and dementia and come out on the other side. One of the songs we used to sing together, my mom and I used to sing is uh, the old hymn, What a Day That Will Be mm. When My Jesus We Shall See. And, uh, and I knew that was real for her and it's real for me. Wow. Ken, thank you for sharing. And it's this is a hard topic. This is a hard uh, subject. You know, on our empoweredhomes.org, we're going to have some resources on there. Do you have any resources or places to point people if they're listening? You know, this sounds crazy, but one of the resources that I was not even aware of at the time my family was going through this with my mom was the Alzheimer's Association. They don't come with things from a Christian perspective, but they have incredible resources. They've got meetings, they've got all kinds of, of literature and things like that. And much of it is free. And you can take advantage of it. You can get together with caregivers. You can get together with other people who are experiencing similar things. It's you know it's just a wonderful resource awesome. um, that I didn't even know was available and especially available for free. Awesome. We'll we'll link all of those resources to this podcast and on uh, empoweredhomes.org. Ken, thanks. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Homes podcast. For more content and information to connect church and home, please visit empoweredhomes.org.